frank, I am absolutely terrified. Ooh, I like this intro. This is provocative. Um, I don't even know where to go with this. I don't think anything actually scares you. Uh, What are you terrified of? Well, Frank, not only because it is the night before the inauguration. That's actually not why I'm terrified, <laughs> surprisingly. <laughs> I thought I thought you were going to guess that, to be honest with you. Are you terrified of COVID? Are you terrified of protesters? Are you terrified of people I, overthrowing I, Congress? I am so blocking everything out right now that like, I'm like, I'll deal with Wednesday when Wednesday cometh. I am not going to think about it until then. <laughs> That is the way to do it. Well, by the time that this podcast comes out, we will see what happens. I think everything will be fine. That's what, that's what I'm really hoping for. But that's not why I'm terrified. I am terrified because I finally did it, Frank. I finally have finished the conversion of Island Tracker to a completely freemium app. This is the final chapter, oh. Frank, in our oh, saga. No. It's happened. Uh, Part 22 of the 25-part saga. I I doubt this is the end. How exciting. Um, Should we do a quick recap? Because I'm trying, honestly, to remember what your last pricing model was. If I can remember, it was... I thought it was freemium. And then you pay so that you could have more friends. And now you've decided that wasn't good enough and you changed your pricing model yet again. No, sir. That's what you thought I would have done by now because it's almost been a year. <laughs> um, but Frank, no, I am still a completely paid application, which, you know, as we've talked about on the podcast, is the best form because you have to do absolutely zero work to do anything into your app. And if they buy the app, they get the app and it's great. Yeah, you know, I've been having this debate. You and I have discussions after the podcast sometimes where I just keep on complaining about pricing models and all that stuff. And we've even talked about my own apps and how to switch to the freemium model, different ways we could break it up. Um, You know, basically it's, you know, time trials or you remove features or you add features, you know, it's those kinds of decisions. But in the end, James, I'm just like, Gosh, I really like pay up front apps, you know, because, well, obviously, from the developer's perspective, it's so much simpler. But I also think, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm a little tired of subscriptions personally myself. And so I'm projecting that onto all of my customers also. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of in the upfront pricing mode still mentally. So this is fascinating. You decided to continue on, though, with the modern 2015 freemium model. Yeah, I continued on with just keeping it a bulk set price and just going ahead and making it as is. And now when we started the application, I think I put it out for $2.99. I believe that's what it was. And I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And Mm -hmm. that... Uh, uh a price model that I don't love. Remember, everyone, I always say charge a lot. <laughs> charge a lot. That's, that's yeah. Uh, and you're correct. I think that is the right way of going about it. And I have had the application out for a while. I've done a lot of presentations on it. I've learned a lot. I've been updating you know, the application with new versions, like doing testing on it. I've been you know, just sort of you know, using it as a case study because it is one of the first applications that has this back end, has this front end, you know, it's doing quite a lot of synchronization back and forth and it's been pretty good and it's been steady. Like I get some sales here and there, but I never really got that, oomph, that like, oh, I'm selling, you know, even one a day or two a day. I think I would be happy yeah. because now I'm like, okay, this is great. And, 
at some point the people will stop playing the game and and that's fine but people are continuously buying this game it's in the top 10 sellers every month for nintendo switch Mm -hmm. and i'm like you know what i want to get more people onto it and i don't think i'm going to get it by charging and i've and i've adjusted the prices i've gone down to 99 cents some weeks up to dollar 99 up to 399 just kind of moving it around and saying mm-hmm. well does it does the price matter and and to be honest with you it seems as though the price doesn't matter at all based on what i have so had it been 499 i think it would have been the same amount of sales to be honest with you yeah it's a little unfortunate but um without like very strong marketing or other external forces Apps are generally hit or miss. (laughs) Um, A lot of people are going to be interested in it and they're going to find it one way or another through, you know, whatever terrible advertising I personally would do or your amazing advertising, James. Um, They would find it that way. Uh, But the fact of the matter is you kind of know that first week how good an app is going to do. You get your most sales in the very beginning and then the rest is a long tail. So you see where that settles out and all that stuff. The trick is always um some markets like free apps some markets don't so that's the great test you're doing here so if you go from two sales a day to a hundred or 200 downloads a day that's something that means there is a really interesting market here you're not capturing it because you're a free app but at least there's some people there the scary part is if you go to free and only get two downloads a day because that means you haven't found a market or the market hasn't found your app you know one one of those directions is wrong and uh you got some work ahead of you i agree with you that is one of my biggest scares i would say And how I look at it right now is I put out my cadence, the application I did over the holidays and that application, which is, well, it's free has, um, probably in two, I guess it's been like three weeks or so, three and a half weeks, four weeks, month has already more than doubled the amount of like total installs in almost a year of Island tracker. Yeah. Yeah. See that. That's a hit. <laughs> you, you can tell when an app is doing well um, because I hate to say it and I get made fun of by a lot of very smart people out there. Hey, Joseph, um, <laughs> if the app is good, you'll know right away with minimal marketing and then good marketing will just push that higher and higher and higher. And so you can maximize that. Um, but have you do you want to talk about what has happened since the switch or you haven't actually made the switch yet? It's a great question. So I'm this entire weekend. Um, I had a three day, we had a three day weekend here. Um, and I, you know, sat down and I said, you know, I think it's the time the time is now. And I, I was actually writing the code and testing the updates and doing everything. And my heart, my heart was kind of pounding. I think I've never been more scared about a potential <laughs> change in my application. Cause you have to remember that this application you know, it hits a backend service. You know, the idea is that for the, if you have a pro version or a paid version that you get everything unlocked and what you, what that means is that you get unlimited friends in the application. You can also submit different types of data in the application to your backend to share more data with your friends. Um, and you know, that part of the functionality has always just been unlocked, um, in the application. Now, moving over to a freemium model means two things. The first thing means that I have to implement 
freemium in my application. I think 2021 is a good in-app purchase year. I feel strong about not that people are going to buy the in-app purchase, by the way, but that 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 like <laughs> that the testing has improved and the APIs have improved, and I feel good about my library. I feel good about the Google stuff that they've recently put out. Like all the libraries are updated. It's very minimal code to do non-consumable in-app purchases, which are in-app purchases in which the user buys them once and they own them forever. There's the difference between consumable and non-consumable. Consumable would be like I buy coins and I can continuously buy coins and um, you know march my army people across the screen and do things. And those are those are evil. But the <laughs> the upgrade to pro scenario is not subscription. Right, it, it's the easiest form of in-app purchase monetization. Beyond this is a paid application. Paid application, you do nothing, and then non-consumable. I think is the next easiest because they've either purchased it or they haven't purchased it, and there's really no two two ways around yeah. it. To be honest with you, yeah, you've basically built a trial model, and it's annoying because we all want Apple to do a trial model, but they won't give us a trial model, so they do say do this. They say, do exactly what you're doing. And that's good news. What you're saying is the technical side of it has gotten pretty reasonable. So you have all your test accounts working and you have all that stuff working. Um, Yeah, it it always comes down to that hard problem of, okay, so now what's in the free version? Um, And how do I promote the pro version? I think in your last app, you put a star (laughs) to promote the pro version. Um, But it gets into trickier bits too. Like how do you word that in the app description? Because um, you you have to be very clear about which parts you're actually getting with the free version of the app and then which parts you're going to have to pay extra for to get all of that. So while I've it's good that the technical side is reasonable. It's still a lot more design work, like more meta app development work that you have to think about. But I like I, I like your trick. It's it's mostly just a binary yes, no, um, free or pro. But you still have some flexibility in the pricing for that. We've talked about um, you could do like a one week consumable. So uh, 10 cents for a one yeah. week trial, um, $5 for a year, maybe $15 forever, you know, but that would be a more subscription model. So what you're saying is you don't really want to do the subscription model. You're just saying, um, I'm basically doing a pay for app, but I'm giving you this free version first. Yeah, I, I give full, pretty much full functionality but what I've done in the UI, at least, is I have a little button on the home screen that says Island Tracker Pro. And when you click on that, you can check your status to see if you already have it, check what features are in it. And then optionally, that is where you would buy Island Tracker Pro. You could, um, you always have to have a button that says, you know, restore purchase because it's super important because Apple will reject mm-hmm. your app if you don't do that. And <laughs> you, you want your users to restore their purchase, even though when you, if you were to buy an in-app purchase and then the user buys it again, it won't let them buy the same thing twice. It's like against the rules. So it will just return the thing, but you, you want to do, you want to do the right thing anyways, um, on there. So I've, I've added that in there and promoted there. Now I will say this, the biggest differentiator is that with the free version, which is every version, you can have only two friend connections. Okay. Okay. And in the paid version, you get 15. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, th- that that opens the door for Ultra Pro Edition, which <laughs> which could, could be more. You, you led me into that, and I'd even see it coming. Good job, good job. Uh, um, it, it sounded like a little earlier, though, you were a little bit worried about your server stuff. You had kind of a cool server setup, if I remember correctly. You were using like a lot of Azure functions to the point where you're only basically paying for usage, which is fantastic. So no overhead. And then you had, I forgot what you were using for the data store, but again, you were paying for it on a usage basis. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is that all still true? All still true. I have um, table storage and Azure functions all in there. Those that's my jam at this point, I would say it's like, it's definitely doing well. And here's where things get tricky because I have all of the data in there already. I have all the user data. They've been using it back and forth, blah, blah, blah. People that have purchased it. And I always, here's the fearful part, right? The fearful part is not actually adding the in-app purchase or changing the in-app purchase. The, the problem and the fear is how do I migrate all of my existing users that have already paid the app to pro? And then how do I update my, I always get fearful when I publish a new backend. I just feel like it's going to break everything. And like, I'm just so fearful when I publish a new backend, even though Azure functions and it's amazing. And the the keys, (laughs) I'll tell you how I tested it. It's a magical and Azure functions is amazing, but like, I'm always just fearful. It's like, well, I need to literally publish this thing and change some things and make it happen. Like what's going to happen. Um, and those are my fears is like, I have to yeah. deploy a new backend and I need to update. I need to update all of my existing users and roll out the app update at the same time on both platforms and toggle the backend switches on my application. So they're free. And then the server knows like not to do that. But then my server also needs to be upgraded against you know, today, even though I might publish the updates next week. And then anyone that buys the app today, they need to automatically upgrade to pro. Like you need to can, you know, consider these things in your application. It's it's like, I'm very fearful. It's, it's scary. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the reason I never change pricing models in my apps. It's, it's because of this. You would think it would be easy to tell that someone installed a paid for version versus a free version. But it's not. Uh, You have to set up receipt validation, which means you have to have a server out there, which means the user has to be connected to the internet. You have to query their receipt. And I don't even know, like, is there a number in the receipt validation? Can you even find out if it was the free version or the pay version? Well, what you can at least find out is the date. And then from the date, you can make the right decision. But absolutely, that is a that that's like real software engineering, man. You're supposed to have a DevOps team and a something ops team and another ops team to help you handle all this switch over. It's supposed to have hot switching. Um, but uh, okay, so what are the practical solutions to this? Um, are you sending a different query string at least when people are registering account to let uh, the server know if they're using the free version or the pay version? Okay, so. Here's the secret. Here's the secret sauce, Frank. So I sort of had thought about creating a pro version a year ago or so. Like, like right when I released the app, I was like, well, what if 
I release a pro version of the application. Well, what's going to happen then? And we talked about this because we've been, sure. I have, I literally have a branch called freemium and it's been sitting there for like eight months and I just finished it. Right. And so here's what I did. There's two parts. There's the app and then there's the back end. Okay. Now the back end is the end all be all because it is a it is the one that is going to either allow people to make more friend requests, more friend requests, or den- or deny them. Right? Like, here's the thing: is if you put that logic in your application, then not everyone may have the same version of your app. But if your backend code is saying, "Hey, okay, I'm getting information about this user." Let me look up their status. Oh, they're pro. They're allowed to have 15 friends. Oh, they have 10 friends. Okay, allow them to accept or, you know, accept this friend. Um, but if you put it in your application, then, you know, you got to make sure that logic is correct. Like, how is that validated? You know, not that it can be spoofed, but it just feels not as clean. Whereas normally, obviously, enabling and disabling user interface is something that you would do inside your application. So if there's an area that, allows the user to see more information or update more information. Well, then of course, if, if they purchase the thing, show it to them else, don't show it to them. So let's start with the application. Now the application itself, how I always do a pro mode, or this is how I did it in my cadence. And it's how I did it in other applications is I literally have a Boolean Frank <laughs> and I have a Boolean inside of my preferences that says is pro. And that, and that is either true or false. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I don't know how else you're going to store it, but it's literally a Boolean, right? Yeah. Um, the only extension to that I've ever done myself is I have an um, an integer that I'm putting a bit pattern in. Mm. If I want to store some things, but I want to make sure they always get stored together, it's almost transactional, you know. Instead of having 20 Booleans, I would pack them all into an integer. But 100%, that, that's the way to go in this simple case, because yeah. you can do a Boolean because you're pro or not pro that's the trick um but that's it's sounding like that's just a mirror of what the server says though so at some point you're going to have to query the server and say like hey buddy or you're going to have to run the apple or google thing of um restoring purchases correct yeah so that would be the other thing is is imagine someone uninstalls your application this is the other scenario right is is that the user uninstalls your application reinstalls it or gets a new phone Mm -hmm. then they get your app the purchase isn't there. They need to restore the purchase. How are you going to validate that when the user never purchased the in-app purchase, but paid for the application, right? That's the, that's the conundrum. So here's what I did is, is this, when the user registers for an account that creates a, an entry in the backend table storage, right? That's just my user account. And you can assume that right now, every single user that is in the user account is a paid user because there's no free version of my application. So that is a known statistic is everybody that's there is a paid user and is pro already. Now inside the application though, Frank, when I rolled out the last update, which was like eight months ago, which was a long time ago that I did this, I actually put in to the application an is pro setting and on startup of the application, I set it to true. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, okay. I see where you're going with this. I mean, it's very hackable, but okay, continue. <laughs> okay, so I set it to true right away, right? Because a Boolean mm-hmm. is hackable by by default, right? It's just it's there, right? It or just or is paid, whatever you want to call this thing, paid paid, whatever. Yeah, paid for is, the app. Yeah, is paid. They, they paid for the app, right? And in this app update, I actually updated my backend to allow to allow this Boolean to be like sent to the server for validation. Like when I'm doing certain HTTP calls, I send this additional information to the backend just for knowledge. I don't do anything with it, but I'm just like, I'm just going to have it here just in case. Okay. Now here's the advantage of, you can't just create the Boolean and like have the default true. You actually need to set it. (laughs) You need to set it because it needs to be set. And this is helpful because as soon as I make the version free, in the app store, the user is going to open the app and they're already going to have the pro account, right? It's just going to be pro because they already had pro and everything will work. But this doesn't work if the user, for instance, uninstalls the app or gets a new device, they that will not be true by default. That will be false, right? So it's no good. So here's what I did is I've created a way that in my user database, okay, there is another table that is my pro user table, okay? And this pro user table is just the identifiers of the user. So when someone buys the application today, they buy the application, they get the, I get the receipt from Apple or Google, I pull it down, I validate that receipt, I can then, um, I, I validate the receipt on my back end, I can then put that information into that table. So now I have like this mini store, this database that says all of these users purchase this application and here is their their receipt you know of of that they purchased it and that's valid. So now if a user buys the in-app purchase inside the application, buys pro, uninstalls the app, pulls it back, they just they don't even have to hit restore. They can just say Hey, go to the server and grab it, right? Doesn't matter if you already purchased it, if you bought the in-app purchase, if it was free, if it was paid, just go check the server to say, hey, did this user do this? And this is actually really cool because I just built, in this instance, a cross-platform mechanism of enabling someone to buy it on iOS and then going to Android, signing into their account, and then saying, hey, restore my purchase, and now you have the paid version on both. This is how every single service works, right? If you were to buy a pro version and it's tied to your account, like of Netflix, you don't have to buy Netflix on two different operate, you know, two different OSs. You buy it once and it's logged into your account. So now I have this account store that also has this data associated with it. Oh, aren't user tables wonderful? <laughs> they solve so many problems. Yeah. Um, this is that great split. Um, if you are in control of your backend, you can solve a lot of problems by putting that data on the server and using that as the source of truth. Then you don't have to worry about any of that security stuff. So like you said, it can either query Apple servers or it can query yours. I like that solution. In fact, I was getting a little bit nervous while you were talking because it was sounding very complex there for a little while. But to make it clear, you just have a flag in your user table <laughs> that just says, is this the pro version? And the app is able to query that. And that's absolutely the way to go if you have user accounts. 
and that's certainly going to help you here. The flag isn't perfect, though. Um, You're still going to have this timing issue of when do people actually download the new app and all that kind of stuff. So you're going to want to really force out this update that's actually querying the server for that information, too. Otherwise, the timing stuff is going to get nasty. Well, Frank, let me tell you a little secret of what I did, which makes this even more scarier, is that inside of table storage, there is a magical button that says export. Okay. Uh, Okay. And what this does is it exports the entire table. Here's all of your users and here's all of your data. Makes sense. Now, I hope you're not storing passwords in clear text. <laughs> no, no, everything is, it's all just GUIDs and, and yeah. know, whatever things. <laughs> and there's even some information like Nintendo Switch codes, but they're all encrypted. So I can't even see them because they're encrypted okay. data. Um, I could probably, I don't, I don't even, I, it would take me so long to figure out how to reverse my own algorithm <laughs> that I wouldn't, it wouldn't be worth it for a number that doesn't do anything. <laughs> And it's, you know, for me to send someone a friend request that I have no idea who they are, but I created a different table. Okay. So instead of just adding a Boolean or a, a number or a string true or false to my existing user table, I created another table. So here's what I did is I exported my entire user table. I deleted a bunch of data. So now all I have is my partition key row key, and I have a receipt field, which is a string. And I just filled it in with pre-pro. Like, hey, yeah. pre-pro means that they they purchased it before the pro version came out. And then I imported that Excel spreadsheet, the CSV file, into the pro status table. So I just pre-populated every single, so every single purchase of the paid version is now in my database, Frank. It's all there. I love the cloud. So you, yeah, <laughs> it, it, that's good first normal form databasing you just did there. Good mm-hmm. job. Yeah. I always say add a column, but in database theory, uh, creating a table referencing another table is the same as adding a column. So whatevs, however you want to talk about it, whatever makes you happy. Uh, the trick again, though, um, uh, as long as that user table isn't moving very fast, you can do something like that import export but if people are registering every minute on your app i think the problem gets a lot harder so i think you're just a little bit lucky that you can probably pick a time of the night where you can do that i don't know though i'm still a little bit confused what if they yeah. still have the free version uh-huh. um I'm trying so to frank think what scenario i'm trying to think of here <laughs> let me tell you about a feature flag because oh, i thought about this So one beautiful part of Azure Functions that is just sitting on top of app service, which means that you can use app configuration. Okay. Oh boy. So I'm liking it. (laughs) So I have a feature flag that says auto pro. I have two feature flags. One is auto pro and one is enable pro. Now auto pro is genius. What auto pro does is it says whenever anyone installs the application and creates their account, automatically add an entry into the pro status table automatically. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I have another feature flag that basically is like enforce pro. So look to see, you know, two versus 15, right? Like take a look at that data. Um, and in that case, um, right now auto pro is turned to true and enable pro is set to false. So like right now, everyone is, who is buying the application, when they create their account, they just automatically get added to the pro table. It's good to go. And everything is gravy. 
Now, Let, let's just be clear though. Uh, where are these feature flags? Are these on the server or in the app or are they mirrored with each other? These are inside of Azure portal, inside of the Azure function mm-hmm. configuration. In your function, so in your API access. Okay. That is correct. Because the server, I've made the server in charge of enforcing those friend requests, okay? And the server is the one that will validate their pro status or not, okay? So the app doesn't do that because then it gets really fishy. Now I have one source of truth, which is my table storage that says, these are my pro users because I add an entry whenever people purchase the in-app purchase or auto right now, automatically doing it. Um, um, and then I have a user table, right? And, and friend requests. So right now, whenever people are doing friend requests, well, I'm not enforcing any, any, you know, Mm -hmm. limit. There is a limit. There's 10 right now actually is a limit. So I'm actually increasing the limit of friends to 15. Um, but you know, I am for all intents and purposes, making the server the end all be all. So when I say publish to my iOS and Android app, I will then make it free and then turn on pro mode in my backend server. And that takes about five seconds to redeploy to my backend. Yes. Mm -hmm. No, maybe so Mm -hmm. did I lose you? Nope. I think I got it. I think I'm still just worried about store propagation, but it's probably not an issue. I was just reviewing in my head, like, how fast is store propagation these days? It's like an hour or two. So I think it's fine. Yeah, that'll probably work. Here's the thing Um, is I would have a a problem. So a few things, by the way, is one, I can manually add pro modes because if someone contacted me and they said, hey, I just bought this, but you made it, blah, 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 or it's blah, 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 free, whatever. I can just go add a row. Like I have an email button that literally sends me the information that I could then manually update there. And this would be a problem is let's say I was selling my application like a few an hour, right? And even one an hour, like that would be problematic in this case, but I haven't sold any in like five days, Frank. So it's like totally fine, right? But it's like, free now. It's free. There's going to be millions of people. Everyone go download uh, it tomorrow and but, make him happy. <laughs> but as soon as I hit that free button and I say release, right? So what I've done is on both Google Play and the App Store, I'm doing a manual release. And when you do a manual release, it propagates near instantaneously. Oh, good trick. Yeah, life hack. I like that. Is that true on Apple? It is. Yeah. I pretty much validated it. Like if you want your application to like be faster, I mean, it's not instantaneous, but it's a lot faster is I've realized that when you do a manual, it like has everything prepped basically. And same with Google, there's now a manual release mode. It's called something different. It's on a per app (laughs) basis. And it is called, um, when you go into an app, it is called publishing overview, and then it is called managed publishing. And it's actually very different. It's actually not great, great. Because what <laughs> it does is managed publishing is for anything that you do in your application. So that means beta testing, it means changes to your store listing, it means anything mm. like adding a new photo. So it's good and bad, but you almost have to plan it. So like right now, I'm like doing all of my beta stuff, getting all of my in-app purchase stuff ready. And then I will queue up a manual publishing and then at the same time, make it free, publish the button, do it on iOS, toggle my back end and hope everything works out okay. 
That's going to be an exciting night. Are you going to live stream that? You better live stream that. I'm terrified. I'm, that's what I'm terrified about. But, <laughs> you know, I was more terrified about testing this, right? Because I've had a backend that is literally sitting there in Azure for eight months, working fine. Okay, and then- okay. Sorry, I'm just going to interrupt. I've had table storage on Azure since like 2002, and it mm-hmm. just runs. I don't know. I don't know who's running it. I'm not running it, but it runs. So I have no doubt like your code's going to be fine. Like that that's something I just would not worry about. Um but I guess it is it's a lot of permutations to test, I guess, like is is your problem because you have the feature flags and you have the two scenarios before and after the feature flags, so like fourish things to test. Yeah, and I have some new functions that I'm publishing like I have one to like create a pro status, get a pro status. Um, back and forth from the application and um, that my app is going to call and do some things on. And um, I didn't want to like deploy the backend live beforehand. And then, you know, each of my Azure functions has an API key. And I'm like, what if I publish an update Mm. and the API key changes, which by the way, it doesn't, you know, like it doesn't at all. Okay, so I might have been missing a part of the story that you're going to stage the function update also. So the function, Frank, I published yesterday. Oh, okay. let it warm my, up. Let it bake a little. It's baking. <laughs> it is baking, Frank, so hard right now. And um, I needed to test it real. I needed to test it live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, it's live. It's happening. I'm looking at the data Right now, I'm looking at the functions in the back and the new ones are being called. I just literally tested it from my phone because I need those functions to be ready. So that's why I had that auto pro mode because I'm like, well, what if I, you know, who knows when Apple approves it, you know, because I need to, that's mm-hmm. the thing is I need the function keys to put in the application and I can only get the function keys if I publish the back end. It's a chicken yeah. and egg situation, right? It is. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I don't want to make them anonymous. I want to have some additional layer of security on it in some weird way. I'm just in my head. So I needed to do this. And I needed to get it out there. And I I was also like, well, I want to test all of these different backend services and yes and no and back and forth. So what I did is I created a new Azure function for internal testing. Like I just created uh. another one that I could test yeah. in my emulators and simulators locally and yeah. change the feature flag. So what I did is I put like zero max friends, right? So I, I'm like, mm-hmm. just, you don't have, you're not allowed to have any max friends and make sure like the server returns stuff. So I just deployed a whole new backend just only for me, only for me, Frank, <laughs> in my magical little world and it's glorious. And I just set everything to anonymous, like just whatever it's cause it's just for me. And yeah. This this is correct. Like you're you're supposed to have a dev production mm-hmm. environment. So like the same setup as production, but for dev. Yes. So like that's fine. Like everything you're saying, I think you're doing a little haphazardly. <laughs> and be like, you know, that, that's why I like um Docker, because you can just have take your uh or I should be saying like Docker compose. You can just say, <clears throat> here's a list of my services duplicate it for dev but whatever you're doing it the manual way it's cool but i think it's proper like you should be doing that (laughs) i think so yeah um i hope so (laughs) i think so question mark (laughs) hashtag um yeah yeah. Uh, i'm excited for you because i've never had the guts to make this change specific well 
you you also had a little easy because you have user accounts and you're you did the right thing of making the server the source of truth and apple servers obviously um for other apps i still think it's a bit hard because they still have all the same timing issues and i think you still come down to receipt validation of some sort otherwise you're never going to get your boolean flags and your dates correct i think at some point you just have to ask apple servers what the heck is going on with this mm-hmm. purchase but um i i honestly think it's going to go perfectly it sounds like you've been a good engineer here i've been testing it back and forth and test flighting and upgrading and you know testing all this additional back end and i think i got really lucky because how i sort of tune this in and set that Boolean flag for existing users and sort of planned it. I planned it eight months ago, Frank, and I sort of just <laughs> thought about it. it was sending data back and forth. Now, if I was to go back in time, I would have done all of this pro data table all ahead of time, right? Because it would have been ready to go. It, it would have just been feature flags and it would have been a beautiful thing where I just like set the app free. I turn on a backend feature flag and then boom, done. You know, I might update the application so like you can buy the in-app purchase, but literally it'd be that. I think the scariest part is that I I wish I had just put in a few more feature flags, added a few more APIs that I, you know, were there. Yeah. But here's the cool part about Azure Functions, by the way, is in my in my test environment, and I know that the API keys didn't change because I've updated the backend many a times and it doesn't change, but there's always that thing in the back of your head that's like, but what if? Like, what if the API keys change, right? Like, they're not going to, but what if they do? So not, n- not, not what if. I, uh, when I released in-app purchase for Kelka, I totally screwed up my API access keys, mm. and no one could buy the in-app purchase. Every time they did, the app would crash. Oh, no. Wow. What a good programmer Frank is, huh? <laughs> <laughs> There you go. So th- you have you should be afraid, James. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay, good. I should be absolutely ter- and I am absolutely terrified. So one thing I did in my Azure function test, this was cool, is I I I first created my new like internal testing, my dev environment. And it's completely separate URL, completely separate table storage, everything. I deployed my main branch. I just deployed that one, which is the current live one in general. Then what I did is I deployed my freemium branch, which would be my new mm-hmm. backend with the new functions and code changes. And I That's made smart. sure- You want to test the migration, make sure it can start from the one and get to the other. Yeah. Exactly. And I had one application, like I had one app that was the existing application, like on an Android emulator. I had another Android emulator, which was like the new version. So I could test the old version with the new server backend and the new version with the new version and also test upgrading the old app to the new version. Like I did the whole test matrix, right? Um, <laughs> and, but then what I did is I said, okay, now I've updated to the new path. The keys are the same. I'm like, what if something does go wrong? Like what in a, in a world, would, what would happen here? So what I did is I just changed a function to anonymous, okay? And that gets rid of the API keys because anybody can call it. And I did that and my application could continue to call that method. So it continued to work, which was really great actually is it was just like, boom, you know, okay, this works. So then what I did is I turned, I went from function auth, no auth anonymous, and then back to function auth. And the key 
was the same before and after toggling anonymous. Like it knows to keep that same exact key before and after. Like there's a literally a button that you have to press in the portal that says like generate new key. Yeah, I I think Azure has been pretty good about that. They, they, and it's usually grayed out and it's like, are you sure? Yeah. And all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's good to know. It's a little accident proof and all that. Sounds like you're really confident. Terrified. I'm I I, I did <laughs> I did literally tweet that says, um, what was my tweet? Uh it was like the other it was I've kind of got a bunch of retweets, but I said Okay, so sorry, go ahead. I said, I said, doing a full migration from a paid app to freemium app is one of the scariest things I've ever done. I did just deploy my new backend table storage updates, feature flags. I'm feeling good. The app is approved, Frank. So I'm feeling pretty good. Receipts are being validated. I, I, I got a little scared because I did my first receipt and that, that string that Apple gives you is quite large, by the way. Oh yeah. A um, um, couple kilobytes, I would guess. It is, I believe Last I ran I a it. command line. I think it's almost nine or 10 kilobytes. Wow. Yeah. And it's all encrypted or is it plain text? It is a, it's, it's, it, it's all, it's a random numbers and you'd have to send that <laughs> thing to, you send that thing to Apple. It's 64 bit encoded or whatever, but that string was quite large. I was like, wow, that's large. And I was like, well, what happens if I get huge receipts? Is my backend going to blow up? Because oh. They can only be so big, but luckily table storage, a string can be 64 kilobytes. And that is quite a large string. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've actually run into that limit before. I was like, gosh, darn it. <laughs> Wasn't it uh, Bill Gates that 640K would always be enough? Well, 64K. Uh, good. I've actually never done Apple receipt validation. That's why I was just guessing there. Um, I've just avoided it because I hate running my own servers, but it's good to know that Azure functions can do it because then you're not maintaining a server. You just have a little chunk of code out there that you use GitHub for, I guess. Yeah. Jonathan Peppers wrote a, I have it linked in my in-app purchase, um, repository. Um, he wrote the Azure functions to do the receipt validation for both, both Apple and Google. Oh, nice. So you don't even have to write it. Okay. Thank you. Please add that to the podcast so I can get to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's pretty cool in that regard because it's just, and here it is, you know, and done. So, yeah. Well, I went the other direction with Kalka. I went from freemium to pay, and that was so much easier because you don't have to worry about anyone if they were lucky enough to get it before. Now, if I was being cruel, I could like uh, disable a bunch of features when you're going from freemium to pro, but I decided to just be nice um past sales are past sales so ignore that if someone had bought the free version all of a sudden they got the pro version that was just honestly me being a little bit lazy but also um someone who got a free app isn't going to take kindly to you all of a sudden requiring that they pay for it i hate it when apps change their pricing model in that direction so i wasn't going to do that to any customers and it was much easier your direction of going from the pay to the free, it's a its a much more perilous slope than the other one. So I'm excited. And I really do hope you'll Twitch stream it because it's fun to see that kind of server coordination happen. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a little worried, but it will be OK. But also, don't, don't worry. I, I, I'm not kidding when I said people who paid for my app made the app crash. 
Like mm-hmm. people got over it, you know. It was it was pathetic and sad, but it honestly didn't affect sales at all. It was just more of a professional embarrassment. So as long as you can swallow your pride, just just smile and go for it. <laughs> yeah, I feel as though I'm I'm waiting for the weekend. Like I want to um I want to basically wait until I don't know if it's Saturday morning or Friday night. I don't want to do it midweek and then be like, oh my goodness, right? I I might do it next. I don't, I don't know when I'm going to do it yet. I need to just do it and get it over with, but I don't know. Um, got to light some candles, uh, <laughs> say some prayers. Yeah, you got you to gotta do all the right incantations to make sure this deployment goes correctly. Yeah, so that's it. That's why I'm terrified, Frank, and I hope that it all goes okay. But I have done, I've done so much testing. I feel so good about it. Um, I feel and I'm trying to be positive. See, that's what I'm, I'm just encouraging you. I'm saying, go for it, James. I think we're all encouraging you. You've been talking about it for eight months. (laughs) And in your honor, in your honor, I I increased the price of the in-app purchase. So in your honor. Oh, did you actually say the prices during the show here? It was $2.99, but right now I just increased it to $3.99, Frank. Whoa, big bucks, big bucks. (laughs) (laughs) Look out. I know. This this is a pretty specialized market. I'll be interested to see what your free sales are. Me too. I'm I'm quite uh, fascinated. So anyways, I'm... I'm I'm worried and excited and hopefully my, <laughs> my back end is does things. I don't know. It's it's all happening, Frank. And I'm just very excited because I've been talking about this app for so long. And, you know, I think when you release an app and you 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 think there's a lot of potential in it and then you don't get the momentum behind it, you're trying to figure out why aren't you getting momentum behind it. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to figure out and, and I don't know, right? I, I think that people have used and people are using, I see the back end update. People do use it often. So the question became like, Hey, is this the barrier of entry? And we will find out if this is, and maybe I'll come back in two or three or four or six months and say, Frank, I did all that work and worried so much. And I literally shouldn't have all, and I should have just kept it as a paid version <laughs> or maybe I'll, I'm rich and I've retired. Who knows? Or maybe you can send out user surveys and pay marketing salespeople you need a sales force you need people cold calling people and getting them on the island tracking market okay frank sure sure can you see why i'm such a bad marketer yes (laughs) and on that note let's end this merge conflict recording um so i think that's gonna do for this week so until next week i'm james montemagno and i'm frank krueger thanks for listening peace